What's up, everyone? We're back with the best LPs of the 2000s. And, uh, yeah, the last time it just it went long. When I when I put it in the computer, I was like, oh, shit. That was like three and a half hours. And I like a lot a long podcast, man. But that's, <laughs> that's fucking ambitious. So I broke it up, make it more palatable for everyone. And uh, I hope that's okay. But uh, this week, we're going to carry on with the uh, part two of the best LPs of the 2000s. Um, what you need to do is go get that new Take Offense record, right? We're going to get the new Take Offense record. We're going to get that last Minus record, self-released by Travis. That fucking shit is ill. That Take Offense is fucking sick. And uh, we're going to support those bands, man. Um, if you would like to support this podcast, please like, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts. I would really appreciate it if you could take that extra 30 seconds and hit the like button or leave a quick review. Just say, sick pod, bro. Fuck it. Um, if you want to go the extra mile and support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south and uh, become a monthly Patreon. Those are my uh, my main dudes. Much appreciated. Um, I appreciate the support. You can also do a one-time donation, paypal.me slash 185 miles south. Um, all this money just goes to help keep the pod going, the monthly fixed costs, and I am trying to do as many interviews in person as possible. It makes them better. They're better than the phone interviews, and uh, I'm trying to just motivate myself to, to do that when possible. Um, that's it. Let's go with uh, part two. Best LPs of the 2000s. One hundred eighty five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. These may be the ones I come back to the most mm -hmm. when I am like wanting to listen to this era hardcore. These are the two records that I probably put on the most is Count Me Out 110 and Count Me Out Permanent. So 110 came out in 2000 and Permanent came out in 2002. And we had a really brethren, you know, thing. We toured with them a couple times. and But I still, to this day, I will come back to those records. They're fucking perfect. They are Chain of Strength's ripoff, but done a little bit differently, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more like... I think that was always like I didn't I don't back that at all. That was like people saying mouthpiece sounds like Chance Strength. It's just because the singer has a great yelling voice, so he, he has like a Kurt Cornelis ass voice. But as far as them sounding like Chance Strength, I don't think so. I don't know. They're they're it's just different style. It doesn't mean they're not great. Well, One permanent I mean, permanent is post American Nightmare. Count me out, sound. I, I'm guilty of not 
listening to that album that much. It's really fucking I remember good. when it came out, and it was like, I don't know. It was really good. But like, it was this 110 is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking sonically about a hardcore record, the, the this thing sounds, that I'm saying about the chain sound mm-hmm. is like the the palm muting. You're talking like about down strumming. Like, you're talking about the down stroking palm muting. Yeah. On a fastport. On a on a very youth yeah. crewy sounding mm-hmm. thing, but count me out. Like take it from fourth gear to fifth gear. You know what I mean? It's like, and especially with Jason's voice, like he sings on parts of the song that lots of other people wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? He's filling the vocal pattern on like the non-typical parts, and it's really good. And also, the lyrics are just great hardcore lyrics. That's where you lose me. Um, they it I don't know. It's the lyrics are he. I, I don't think they're his, great lyrics. His, vo- on his voice on the world. His voice is amazing, and one ten is one of the greatest sounding hardcore guys of all time. Especially for an album that is not relying at all on being heavy. Yeah. Because obviously a heavy record is always going to sound better because it sounds fucking brutal. And you can, like, try to edge more and more into being brutal. Right? So, like, to have a record sound awesome and be less heavy is harder. And 110 sounds fucking ridiculous. It's it's one of the greatest sounding hardcore records ever. But lyrically, dude, I swear to God, we used to... We used to listen to this record all the time in the control van. We were on tour because it came out in 2000, right? So touring the whole time Um, because it sounds so good. And it's like you listen to the whole thing and some of the best tracks are towards the end. Like that Blue Oyster Cult Mosh song. Ding, 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 ding. And then it comes in. It's like they're doing a fucking Blue Oyster Cult riff. Fucking, they're doing Don't Fear the Reaper as a mosh part. I think this, this, is, is, this is where the difference of maybe non-edge dudes listening to straight-edge Okay, well, every single, to, every single song says myself, yourself, or ourself. Every single song. Well, I'm, So we should make a drinking game out of that. No. Um, <laughs> what I'm talking about is like... So lyrically, it's just like... Hardcore-wise, this is more lyrically like commenting on the scene, commenting on being in hardcore for a long time and you see friends drop away and turn around and talk shit on it. Obviously it's not as lyrically, you know, excellent as the Bane song that we've referenced in the past that just sums that up perfectly. But what I found when listening to this, especially one, if we're talking 110 is more just a commentary. Like I don't need to know what happened in Richmond, but I can tell through the anger of these like songs is like there's been a lot of like letting people down and you know look dude what i want is a sonic sounding record that sounds good i want a singer that's passionate about whatever the fuck he's singing about i don't give a fuck what he's singing about as long as he cares about it right yeah i mean i was just arguing for fucking 25 to life like 30 minutes ago rick the life didn't write good lyrics <laughs> but he cared about them you know what i mean and like whatever yeah but i'm saying i think these i'm just are, saying this i is, think these are good like this is on the level of keeping it real lyrics, but it's like it's meaningful to someone, but it's like really, I don't know. It's ourself, yourself, well, and but myself. That, we were talking earlier about that's the reason we all come to things and like things that are differently. I personally thought these were good, like well formed. It's no burned by the flames, dude. <laughs> 
Well, you know, also when you talked about just being like brethren and you're playing together, like that drives because you really get to get a feel for like it's like the people behind like what they're about, like you're with them every day and you can really de- like determine like how do they really mean what they're saying and like that's why it's going to hit oh, yeah, so definitely. much harder for you as opposed to Zach who would make a drinking game. <laughs> Yeah, and as the drinks, uh, um, I must have said myself because Zach keeps pounding that one. Um, you saw me have one and a half drink, dude. But also, how how but how good about, does the record look? Like just very different, you know that yellow. So just like Hulk, just like Hulk Hogan's dick, dude. Yellow. <laughs> I wouldn't. I haven't seen the sex tape. I'm sorry. No, no his Hulk. fucking tights. <laughs> oh no, I've seen. What the do you sex think of when you say yellow? No, Hulkster's packing for sure, though. Oh yeah, dude, he's hung yeah. like a stack of tuna cans. Just... <laughs> I don't know, okay. Man. Anyway, um, and then permanent comes out, and um, it's obviously a little post an, like the influences of the is it of the using the. The pedal, uh, oh. basically a few pedals to get different sounds, get a bit more like expansive on sounds, but it's still that just straight up like I would say youth group, but it's it's angrier and more direct. It's its own like straightforward blistering hardcore that has to nod to youth crew. Do you know what I mean? It it's not youth crew, but it it can't be divorced from it either. Well, Chain of Strength is gnarlier than Bold. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, after I just argue, they don't sound like Chain of Strength. Well, they they obviously love Chain. Yeah. And and I, I know that they actually did. Yeah. You know? Also... Well, you'd be silly not to. Yeah. But... I mean, a, an amazing band that only put out two seven inches. Like, <laughs> how can you pick them apart? Even if Kurt is... From all the reports, not the <laughs> from rat, all reports. From not the raddest dude right? <laughs> from his own mouth. Well, I don't follow yeah. fucking Kurt on Facebook. No, so everything keep, is like he's popping up on like f- Facebook like discussion. Well, Javier from uh, you know from OC will always repost things, so I see what he's saying uh, without me. Um, is that is he like the Morrissey of straight edge hardcore? He's at a this ma- point? he's a mago, yeah, mago brained beyond belief. But going back to Count Me Out, like the um, the artwork for Permanent is really cool too. Like the the Marilyn Monroe like dot matrix, like Liechtenstein looking stuff with the silver sheen and um. Damn, and they always what a description. <laughs> they always gave their all too. Like whether they were playing to fifteen people or you know play into posse numbers to get like blowing other bands off the stage you know i think i only saw him one time ever i feel like did you play with him out here yeah we played with him then i must have seen him more just the only time i remember it must have been the first time and i was really excited um the one at the showcase with us and carry on no i saw him play in uh san pedro which was like the only time that i ever saw a show in san pedro which is just like little south of lax and uh, it was like where Bill Smith's records was, um, but yeah, some like kind of just big hall there, and they probably played uh, I don't know hundred people in a room that could have probably held six hundred, but it was like great. It must have been a we must have played that as well then. You uh, would have remembered we we'd be on 
tour with them for that one, I think. Maybe. Um, but let me t- I'll tell you a, a, a rad count me out story. So we're, I booked the West Coast portion of a tour and like, you know, as you do, shows start falling apart and, and, you know, you start getting a call like the day before you're about to play somewhere and they're like, hey, sorry, dude, we can't do the show. Uh, you're like, what the fuck? So luckily my space is going and everything and Andy Diehard um, tells me that there's this fest in Eugene, Oregon <laughs> called Eugene Fest. And so we go there and and we're like, oh shit, it's a fest. Like it's going to be sick. <laughs> We arrive at Eugene Fest. Well, that, that's off the... Uh, you can hit it on the five, right? It's not like in... No, I saw you guys in Eugene, I think. It's just like an hour south of Portland. Okay. okay. On, the main, on the main but freeway. Okay. But it's pretty rural. Well, for, it's like... For it's, a, for it's, a city. it's redneck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It'd be like... That's what I mean by yeah, rural. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we show up at this giant house, and it's like... Uh, well, one of the ladies who lived there was named Saffron. That should say it all, really. It's like you it was know. the guitarist from that backyard twenty five live show. <laughs> no, but you, do you know what I mean? Like it always so. Comes there's back. always it's like hippies with crusties with whatever. Anyway, we walk into the backyard and we see the flyer for the first time, and it says "Count Me Out" from Sweden. Like you know, people like try and get wacky with flyers, mm. and you know, and it said over my dead body, like. Something like straight edge. I, I can't even remember. Like it's just silly descriptions for each band. Yeah. Anyway, count me out. So Jason sees that on the flyer. They get up and play, and he the entire time acts like he's from Sweden. Like the entire time, you know. Like some kids have come to see them, and they're like, I think you know he's yeah. tricking like actual kids who have been li- into their band. He's like. And then at this point, he goes, Okay, Eugene, we love it when you run in the circular motion. But, uh, you know, and, and then this giant circle pit starts up with all crusties because the, the majority of the backyard was full of crust punks, like maybe like 200 crust punks. No, that's too much. Maybe like 80 crust punks. So, Shout out 90s Ventura. <laughs> so then, um, Count Me Out's killing it. Like, I'm. I'm does a total dust bowl circle pit for them and stuff. And, and then, um, Oh, this was before they played. There was, there was a full spread of food and they count me out, just dives into it as well. Does our drummer, Tommy, they're just eating it like crazy, like hummus, this, that, blah, blah. And someone goes, Hey, Saffron, where did you get the food? She's like, Oh yeah, we, we got it out the dumpster this morning. So they're all like, like <laughs> raking at their tongues. Freakiness. And meanwhile, I'm like, thank God I'm just on a only Pringles diet for this tour. <laughs> but then uh, we play and I get up and it's all crust punks up front. I'm like, we're on my body. We're a straight edge band. And just beer just goes <laughs> all over me. And then, we proceed to play. I would laughed it off. You know, it's like, whatever. This place is ridiculous. Diehard youth can attest to this. And then, um, so, you know, my main thing on stage was to go side to side, stomp, side mm-hmm. to side, stomp. And we're playing on this deck, and I go, and I go right through the deck. Wow. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know, and 
Meanwhile, our roadie is just point. yeah dying, laughing. So I get up and I turn around like a minute later into the song. I turn around. There's a guy with one tooth <laughs> with two nails hanging out his mouth, fixing the deck in the middle of the set like while we were playing. I was like, Oh, and I think I said in the mic, like, Shout respect out to, to Rufus. <laughs> I don't know what his name was, but that's, I was just, like, giving him respect. That's but real Cletus. redneck shit. It was crazy. And then some Nazis started coming around at the very end as we were driving off. And, the you know, they were total, like, true, like, ARA, like, crust punks. Like, two girls come running out, just start socking Nazis in the face. Like, no, that's, that's what's crazy. That's what's crazy wild. about Oregon, because I think some people just, just assume it's all Portlandia. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, dude, outside of it, it's that like green room film. Dude, you're quite in, accurate. It's like, yeah, you're in the <clears> fucking sticks. I remember I, I we play, I want to say we played Eugene in the earlier pod. I might've told the story about the, the crust. He had given me a ninja star. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For a t-shirt, which is so... None what, of this sounds... So some dude, like, nailing up a stage while you broke it, like, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, no, we, but, we built two dispensaries right outside of Portland in uh, Oregon City, which is uh, Clackamas County. And uh, it's very... It's whatever you whatever you feel when someone says Clackamas, that's what it feels like. <laughs> it's, it's rugged, man. So yeah. I get a test. So. But... Back to count me out. <laughs> we keep going on these weird things, but um, well, it's because Greg's in a hurry, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Greg. Yo, at this point, no, don't even worry about it. <laughs> um, well, we don't have to go that long on some of mine. I would say that, and I'm already three done. The count me out records are very important to me, and they are the ones that I keep coming back to. Even you know, maybe like an background music was it meant the world to me at the time mm. i don't come back to that that much but i do come back to the count me out ones over and over and over and that united blood that i went and saw take offense fucking destroyed the entire place um i the main reason i went out there was count me out was doing a reunion and i'm like i've got to go see that yeah greg have you ever listened to 110 no i have not you should put it on the list I and it's, listen to it. yeah listen to it on spotify just just for the Sonically, no, that's how it sounds. Need to hear it. Yeah, and like you'll get it. Where are they recorded at? You know, it's with the battery, dude. Okay, and it's it's uh, it's, it's like it's even it's, before it's that guy's fucking masterpiece because he did the second one. It doesn't sound as good. Yeah, and he also did other records that do sound he did amazing. A ton of records, but the the count me out one count is me out one ten personified, like, dude. It's it's amazing sounding and like. You know, you get the production value within the first like ten seconds. Exactly. It's the way the record starts. You know, it's fucking ridiculous. Okay, um, Greg, I think you can go. Yeah, I'll I'll do another uh, mid two thousands one. I'm gonna say terror always the hard way. Now, is this the third LP? This is the third one. So this is... Post one with the underdogs. This is the first uh, non-Todd writing record. Yeah, and it's def it's. I think it's the second Trust Kill mm -hmm. release, because one with the underdogs is not Trust Kill. 
Mm-hmm. So this one, and like you said, it's the, it's the first post Todd record, and this is when Nick comes into play as like the main dude as far as writing goes. And I think it's a it's an interesting time period for Terror because like now they're hitting, they're doing. Remember those uh, like ten for ten tours and like what was the other one? Um, Sounds of the Underground tour. So it's like a lot of these like bigger metalcore tours were happening and they started going into that. And I know they started like going up, blowing up into like Europe too. Doing those East Pack tours and yeah, stuff. So well, they're four years in to being a legitimate And they're a nonstop band. road dog. Yeah. Exactly. So if you think about like four years to, okay, so a four year stretch that every person can understand is high school. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And imagine how long high school feels like from the time of your first day as a freshman to graduating high school. This is at a this fucking point, blur. At this point, there are four years yeah. of being like... Is Busky on this record? Busky is on it, yeah. Now, the thing is, is interesting enough, uh, Carl, First Blood... What, writes some actually, of this, too. Uh, right? Yeah, I don't know how much of the writing credit is, but he played all the guitars and bass on it. So, Nick... And, and, and the thing that, that Carl brings to the band that didn't start out being in the band is hard as fuck backups that hold the so Vogel can stick the mic out but yeah. the rest of the venue is still getting you know so the backups are starting to be written in a call and response way that people can participate but the band is doing them now yeah absolutely and uh it's it's also they recorded it with that dude Zeus who did uh like he did sick of it all before yeah and then and he, hate breed yeah. perseverance hate breed so it gets totally different production value from, especially one with the underdogs. Because when I first heard one with the underdogs, like I wasn't feeling like there's fucking just absolute bangers and there's staples of the live terror set, but the production of it was just something was just off about it. I don't know what it was. And Nick recently uh, remixed and remastered those. Oh really? Yeah, they're on Spotify now. It's got different artwork too. And, uh, I never liked the artwork for one with the underdogs. No, kind of. It's kind of that weird, like heavy Photoshop kind of, and and the weird like kind of just, I don't know, man found in basement like tied up BTK killer yeah, and, style. And, and, I don't know. I I think this is like really one of the underdogs is just like total scary like terror era too. Um, so you get like always the hard way and like, personally, I think, I think this is one of the most like slept on records of their catalog. Cause this thing just has monster fucking tracks on it. Um, strike you down, which is one of the hardest, like anti-racist songs, like, like ever, uh, you get last of the diehards, last of the diehards. Last of the Diehards, Test My Convictions. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's so killer. And another thing that I really like about this is like, you get these, you get guest vocal spots from Aaron mm-hmm. and then Ed, fucking Eddie Leeway on So Close to Defeat. And like, I think it's such, like, for them to come back, not even a comeback, like, let me rephrase that. For them, towards like, okay, you don't have Todd, but now you're touring and you have like, you know, Doug and you have Three Gun in the band, you have Carl in the band. 
they're hitting all this stuff and then they you know they link up with Zeus and they they just drop this i mean to me it's i mean and busky's sick too busky's too so they get they get busky in there too so this thing i don't know i feel like this is kind of their fucking heavy like as far as like heavy goes like this is their heaviest sounding record to me well you haven't even mentioned the title track Oh, always the hard way too, which is yeah. just such. It's a like great, again how we talk about like great heavy plus catchy. Yeah, and one yeah, the call and response, the impossible vocals. Co- yeah, like the impossible we- fucking combination, and they knock it out of the fucking park. So I, I think it definitely, you know, and the artwork. Yeah, I mean it's oh, it's sick. nodding to the to the George Stubbs uh, Warzone cover. That's you know it's kind of a nod to that with also it just being brutal, you know. Yeah. As, as well as great record, and and again, kind of how we were talking about Madball bouncing back with record four, even though like by no means is Look My Way a bad record. It's a good record. It's just, it's impossible to follow up on those first two. Which, if you think about it, that's insane. Because how do they do demonstrating my style after fucking set it off? You know what I mean? It's just like it was so different than set it off that it was able to like kind of stay on the same level. It was like they're positive. But if you want to consider the second terror like a little bit of a fall off, I don't know if I do or not. No, but this I, is a bounce back. The only reason why I don't like one with... I can't even say it's not that I don't like one with the underdogs. It's mostly just the production when the first time I heard it. And I, you should anyone listening, you should check out the remix that Nick did. They were able to get... I think they got like the rights from Trustkill and they reissued mm. those. So it's definitely worth a spin because you get to hear it like what I think it should have got. Uh, and I think maybe some, you could hear always the hard way. And it, it definitely has like that really heavy Zeus pro tools, like yeah. kind of sound, but you know, I, I recently put it on and like, it's just such gnarly heavy production for it. And it just makes these tracks just so fucking huge. And like, yeah, I definitely, I think a real slept on record in this, in this like time period. And there's the the funny thing where Vogel's just kind of like, just so you know, I'm a fucking mega hip hop head. You know, like most people already know that. You see him, he's playing in gangstar shirts or whatever. But, you know, having uh, Dibs and Murs check in, and then later on in other records, they have like Jedi mind tricks, you know. Oh, uh, him going, yeah, motherfuckers, Terra. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it just adds. Just, you know, it's even another kind of just nod to, you know, the war zone that Vogel loves just to be like. Yeah, or a stitch like, back to like the Sig of it all stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're mixing, you know, we're from the same worlds yeah. of like, you know. But that's the quote, the next record, The Damned and the Shame. Well, you know? I mean, this, this, this is what Terror is, though, right? It's like if you want to say that before and after Terror, and Terror is like the modern hardcore sound. They're also like the ultimate like stitchback band that's yeah. like always paying tribute. Yeah. So yeah. and that's that's what makes them timeless. So well, it's what makes them so special. Yeah. You know, yeah. where like I mean, if I don't know, like how could you ever? I don't know who could say a negative word about that band. Oh, there's there's because of there's that. plenty of fucking kids that do. It's like now you have just demo core fucking snobs that yeah, act but, like, but the, like they were born with like a copy of like urban waste in their fucking hands. It's I know, like, but no, you, you saw terror on like a mixed bill and you were like, 
holy shit, this is this is some of the realest shit I've ever heard. You picked up a record and then you started flipping through it. And it's like the dude's literally telling you, like, listen to fucking Warzone, like listen to Agnostic Front. So they definitely put kids on the path to getting into like real horror. And then that's what, what I'm saying is no yeah. serious person could ever like. Okay. Really? Yeah. Give I, a I just meant like, oh, people. No, well, I, I mean, yeah. there's people that that don't like ice cream, you know. Yeah. No, so you're right. You've said this analogy before. I know. Well, because it's, it's like one, it's. I mean, it, it's because how do you wrap your head around it? How do you wrap? Like you yeah. can't. You can't argue what with that. Wrong with you. you? Can't argue with that. Yeah. Like, oh, you don't want to fucking hang out on a hot day and go swimming and eat ice cream. Uh, well, it, it goes back to the, you know, thing we we reference a lot on this pod is pre-terror, post-terror. Some people are not going to like terror because what has happened post-terror, you know? They're going to just be like, oh, I don't like any of that stuff because they like band B. You yeah, know? But, that, but, but that's just, it but, is what it is. But with, that's just, it's just, it's progress, right? And like, it's like, okay, fine. I don't, I don't want a fucking widescreen TV. It's just the way things are going to go and like, be happy that it's them. Yeah. But some, some people good, do want that VCR, uh, eight inch combo <laughs> instead, you know? Yeah. But I think that they Which, would, they would be stoked that at least Terra's a band that's going to shout back to that and yeah, say like yeah. that VCR is what got us here. You know what I mean? It could have, it, it could have been way worse. Yeah. They're the band that, they deserve to be the band. Yeah. Well, for this, for yeah. this, for this third one, this one fucking smashes. Yeah, all the way through. For sure. So let's go on to Greg. Uh, your turn. You doing direct? Yeah. Control? So I'm gonna pick direct control. Your control came out in 2006, and uh, rest in peace, Brandon Farrell, who was the singer of Direct Control. Also, the singer died. Huh? Yeah, original drummer of uh, Municipal Waste too. But this is such a this record's a ripper. This thing, yeah, it's the best way to describe it. It's a it's a fucking ripper, and this is just like this is hardcore punk, you know. Yeah, taking a stab on like the that early '80s shit, but be, just being a little creative. And I mean, how do they match that recording sound? Yeah, sound like, like that? and I think another thing too is you you can totally tell that dudes playing this style i mean like you you had to be like like a student of it and you had because this is these dudes have been in it for so long this is all such pre-internet thing so it's like if you're bumping like you know every early 80s like all this bot like early 80s boston hardcore like gangrene shit like that and just delivering it in in this in this way, I mean, it's it's just a ripper. This is just like absolute ripping, face melting, hardcore punk. You're as abused as the term is. Like you're just fucking slamming to this. I mean, the way it sounds, vocal delivery, uh, just just killer. Yeah, you know, like the cutout parts that Daniel was like referencing. That he was like, oh, it sounds like a little bit like Chuck Berry. I wonder yeah. if that's actually like kind of like a on when I was thinking about it more, I was like that's almost like a poison idea throwback. Yeah, yeah, kind of just like, like you're getting on, funky on like you're not just you're not doing like the cutout and doing the riff, you're cutting out and yeah. doing something actually like creative on the guitar. Yeah, because because especially this style, 
this style too. When did when did the American Hardcore documentary like drop? That's like two. Two thousand six. No, the the actual DVD, like the the movie. Two thousand four or two thousand five, I think. I think it's a little <clears> later. <throat> um, yeah, let's have a look. Well, the book told us that hardcore didn't exist after 1986, right? No, but it it definitely... I still think that there was, like, a a super clear divide with this style. Like, it was was like you were were punk. Like, this was still just straight up considered, like... 2006 was the film. Yeah, like, this was just still considered, like, punk rock, you know? And... I think that film, like, because it got it was incredibly popular film, and it, it kind of bridged the gap. Be like, it it brought it back. To like, no, like this was this is hardcore punk. Like, and it, it I think it introduced. I think more punks were like, kind of started like putting hardcore punk back, like the two and two together. You know what I'm saying? So. It, it, yeah, but back to this. Like, in certain circles of hardcore, there you, you were people that would that be new- embarrassed. Actually, Vogel, I've had many conversations with yeah. Scott before where he's like, I only like hardcore. I don't like punk. It's exactly. And so this is one of those bands where, like, if you showed it to, um, to like, a dude that was, like, strict, okay, like strictly no warning or terror guy, I'd be like, well, this is just fucking punk rock shit, yeah. you know? So... I still think there's like a clear divide, but this is coming out in 2006, so it's like that. It's starting to widen, and people are starting to kind of put two and two, two and two together. But, but, but as we said when we were listening to this before the pod started, it was almost like, oh, this band could have played with Life's Halt and What exa- Happens Next, etc. Exactly, like crazy, you know. But that's the thing is like it's six years after like that bandana thrash stuff died out. Yeah, right. So it's like it's a real callback to this style still here. Like it's not like a flash in the pan because when that stuff came out, I was disappointed that Life's Hall got sucked up into it because they were just a legitimately good hardcore band yeah. from South Central Los Angeles. You know, in a time where it felt like there weren't a lot of bands from LA or a lot of the bands that were claiming LA like weren't really from LA, LA. And it was like, this is just a fucking Los Angeles hardcore band. And if you listen, if you break down those Life's Hall songs, their riffs are actually really simple. They're basically just like insane but played on 45 instead of 33. Like, and it's just intense and wild. And then so that's why I like this direct control record so much is it's just like these dudes stand like this. This is not like a, it's not a gimmick genre. This is just like what we like about hardcore. Exactly. And we're taking a stab at it and knocking it out of the park in like this style. Yeah, there's no like like cosplay shit with this direct, <laughs> that's control, direct control record. The, and that's what I'm saying. Like to, to produce to write a record like this and just to do it so naturally like this is just what was in uh this dude's blood well that, that what you were pointing out when we were listening to it earlier that is really cool is that the way that you know the riff is the riff of the song is the riff but then there's the one guitar that flourishes on each part we're going wing, 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 yeah like, like going on, way on up the track, high on the track or, ronnie's dead yeah like yeah, yeah, yo, yeah, just hit hitting it up, like bringing it all the way down to that, like, like a slide, yeah, like a straight up guitar cool, slide, yeah. and it is it's unexpected, yeah. and it it makes them stand apart. Yeah, it and it really reminds me of just like when I would 
you know, you listen to like Jerry's kids and like that, that just kind of like balls out fast, like a, approach to it. So, well, arguably, like Jerry's kids, gangrene, a lot of that, you know, and uh, and I, as I mistakenly did before, like lump poison idea into mm. that scene because th- th- all those bands kind of sound like that. The majority of the people who are finding them later on, especially unless they're being told by someone like this is a Boston hardcore band or whatever, they're listening to it like a lot of the people that are getting into them are just punk fans. Exactly. And that's their entry point into hardcore. Yeah, it's stuff like this. I think like this record too, and and just a lot of bands, because it was kind of, especially in like Richard 2, you have like that record label grave mistake too like all around this time uh like a lot of this stuff started pop- popping up and there was even like bands like like broken needle bad reaction like on the west coast that were kind of just bringing it back to 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 this style and to this sound so uh like it was just i think it brought like a good youthful resurgence and that that early 80s sound that was really just like you said just associated with just like it's strictly punk rock shit or just like old old guy stuff because it was so just like no one's listening to this so you had to be like really in it and really like this shit well what what's cool about it too is like zach pointed out that the the bandana thrash shit had faded away because the bandana thrash thing was like cool because it was it was you know referencing like the old Narcor stuff, it was referencing the Circle Church stuff, it was referencing all of that, but then it became a It was goofy, passe, it became goofy. Like, you know, cosplay, it was, like, yeah. like was It was set, fun, you know? but then it got silly. Yeah, and this was kind of like, Cause there was no, a, the music has substance, it's not about... Well, Life's Hall was like the secondary band in that, because they were so good that like What Happens Next brought them with them, and I don't think What Happens Next was a good enough band to carry a genre. So it's like life's hot should have been the fucking forebearer, but they weren't like dudes and bananas trying to like revitalize anything. They were just like a fucking tornado. Like the first time we saw him play chain reaction, it was a uh, public storage. And like, they only had the demo out and they had their original drummer and like the whole band just fell apart. Like they ripped it up for like, I don't know, 15 minutes and then it was like the drummer destroyed his drum kit. And it was like, what the fuck happened right now? Well, the first time but it was so natural and it wasn't posing. Like, yeah. I hate when people oh, destroy yeah. their music instruments. It's like, you're such a cocksucker if you break your guitar. Like, go give it to a 16 year old kid that can't like afford a guitar. Absolutely. Like, fuck you. Well, I hate but, like, when, that was when so natural. Punch themselves in the face when they when they don't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or any of that stuff. But when I watched Ernie for the first time, I was like. This is like fucking HR. Like he's doing, he's doing contortionist style flips and stuff. Not because, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go off. It's like the music's driving him to like whirling dervish around the stage. Like, no, like life's all coming out at the same time as like No Justice. Like those bands are like, they're the same live explosion. But Life's Hot was better on record. No Justice seven inch didn't back it up. You had to see. Yeah, live. no, the seven inch does. It has its moments, but... No, the 7-inch is good, but it's, like, not as good as that band was. It wasn't a representation. And just real quick on the the Broken Needle and Bad Reaction shout-outs. Uh, shout-out Bed. Shout-out Todd Tyler. Sup? Yeah. No, that, you know, just those... Skate punks. 
Yeah, no, just <laughs> when they played it twice. The shake we, ma- we made them yeah. play it twice. <laughs> yeah. No, I just think like just that those bands in that era just kind of bringing that style back, but definitely not posing about it and just delivering it. And I, I think it definitely brought a youthful resurgence to that style, which was kind of were there pre- other that bands. Just, Mostly that, old guy shit, and then just strictly punks. Were well, there other bands that came from this kind of scene with direct control that you? Oh, like Gover- government warning well? would be another one. Um, there was another band. They're a little later after direct control, and they put out uh, Grave Mistake is the label that put out a lot of this cool shit. There's one band called Cardiac Arrest. They're from St. Louis. They were super dope, too. There's a lot of bands that do this genre at yeah. this time, like, on that label. and But, like, this is this is a really good one. Yeah, I'm glad you this picked one this fucking one. Rips, though, this is man. This is like, a great choice. You can hear it immediately, because it's just... It doesn't. It doesn't sound like anything was done to it. It's just like, oh, the mic set up, like, yeah, you got everything, boom. And... When you when you just when you can rip it that hard and naturally like it's it's perfect. Yeah. So great, it, great slab of wax. Well, going on into another record that lots of people would just say, "Oh, that's just fucking punk," you know, um, a record that is one that I cannot stop going back to. Twenty years on, you know, is explosion. Uh, the explosion. Flash. 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 Now, it is the most punk out of everything that we're going to discuss. It is designed, you know, to be that thing where, I don't know, it it just is what it is. But this, it's, Well, the, the direct control could be arguably more punk, but they're playing the hardcore fast beat. Yeah, well, explo- this is This is not the hardcore fast beat. But this I, is also as punk, like, referencing, like, 77 type stuff. Yeah, so this, I don't really know much about it. So what... What band did they come out of? And the, the Trouble. Okay, and so, the, and that's uh, this is a good record. Gibby and uh, this guy Sam Cave, who is the main songwriter for the Explosion. Um, so that was kind of like Boston punk, like Oi. Mm-hmm. But and then this is coming, and this is revving up the '77 factor, but also the breakdowns and stuff like are very played hardcore. You know, um, I could see why some people would be like, well, it's not really a hardcore record, but. Well, I, like, before when we were talking about the 80s, like, my favorite punk or hardcore record ever is Bad Religion of Suffer. And I didn't put it on my list, and then you were saying Dawn would have it on his list. So, this <laughs> is where, where we draw our line is very weird. And the whole idea of this is kind of stupid anyway, because we're guys that don't like to put barriers on music. Um, so, to say, like, to do only hardcore is kind of weird, but it's also fun. But um, it, So, I mean, it's okay if he chooses. Well, no, I would say Explosion Flash 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 has just as much in common as, like, Sick of It All Built to Last, as well as, you know what I mean, those kind of, like, sing-alongs and things. But I could easily have had the Kid Dynamite record here as well, which is also, you know, on yeah, the border. Yeah, it's, it's just if we open but it up... Explosion, if, I go back to... And I listen to this so much still. I just think that if we open it up to all the 
stuff that's like really good and has like a little bit of a hardcore tinge, but it's you would think about it as punk. Like I just think of all the things that I'm not representing. No, right? of like, course, but that, like the first, we discussed like this the first Dillinger, the, the first Dillinger four LP. That's not hardcore though. This guys are in Billingsgate. Yeah, and but, so like it's dipping a little bit. It's dipping as much as this is, you know. So, I I don't know. Whatever Midwestern songs, I'm going there. <laughs> All right, what are you taking off? <laughs> oh, this I'm taking. I'm taking for for Midwestern no. songs. I'm taking off for Retaliate, dude. <laughs> Fuck it. But those are the best two hardcore records of the 2000s, <laughs> the 2009. Um, now, if nobody listening to this has heard the explosion, it's uh. It's really fucking good. This record, it's really good, and they were really good live. We played with them in Indianapolis, and it was just a cool little club. And it was us, them. I can't remember who else, but they were a legitimately good band. Yeah, the singer Million Dollar Matt, like, is you know those those certain frontmen that weirdly just put the crowd right in the middle of the palm of their hand, like instantly. You just like, got it. Yeah, like, yeah. have you ever seen The Hives? Yeah. You know, no, I've he, never seen them live. I've seen oh, plenty. Okay. Yeah. That, he, what he, a great example. He just yeah. takes yeah. the entire crowd and goes, you're mine. Listen yeah. to every word I say. You know, he does this in uh, live, but it comes across on this record. Now, they did other things. There's, a, you know, a seven inch that's decent. And then they did a major label record after this, and they took a couple of songs off this, and it's fucking unlistenable. This is the moment in time where the band is perfect. What what, what was the major label? Uh, it's called Black Tape. Yeah, and what when did it, what year did that come out? Um, I would say probably like two thousand four on Virgin. They I did think. four years in between the records because it's two thousand. They, they did an EP after this. Okay. Maybe they did three years. Maybe it's two thousand three, mm-hmm. but. They got um, what's his name from Ten Yard Fight, the drummer. Mm-hmm. Like then came into the band. He's a really good drummer. He's a session drummer now, Andrew. Um, so, but when they were on this era, they, their drummer wasn't as good. But it something about it, everything about the this collection of songs, the way it's recorded, the way they looked on stage, the way they acted, the way the sing-alongs are crafted. Everything about this is perfect, and the artwork is done by. Damien, who did the Count Me Out permanent artwork, Damien from In My Eyes, he plays bass in this band. And the artwork's fucking great, too. Just, like, so 77, like, brash yellow colors. Like, you know, it just, it looks great. Anyway, I love this record, and I implore everyone who hasn't heard it uh, to to just put it on your Spotify. Give it a Give it a whirl. So moving on from that to uh, an inarguable hardcore classic, I'm going Eat on Concrete, Second Coming. From the year 2000, and... Uh, like the explosion, I would argue this is a band that ah. <laughs> I would argue it's a band that only got it right one time. Now, I do like the first record Time to Shine. Um but it's raw and it's them finding their sound and there's glimpses of what could be here. And this is the second record, the second LP, 
and it is fucking perfect. Every single song is awesome. The first, dude, you can laugh. The first, <laughs> the first side, this first side of this record, the first side of this record, I would put up against almost anything. The way that it's sequenced, it, I mean, it starts out with a banger. The second song, they go a little bit to like the melodic rap shit. Third song, same thing. Fourth song, they go banger, and then fifth song, they do like the full rap shit. I don't. I'm not familiar with all of it. What is the E Town song where it's just like, if you're not with us, you're against us. You know, it's like, nah, I don't that, know. That's um, I don't know. That might have been on a later because later like any, anything after this, I I can't go with. Okay. They went full like, I don't I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like, I I. Okay, I reuse all my metaphors. I'm not going to talk about Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. Right? But, please, please. <laughs> but but if, if I talk the marshmallow falling off the stick, right? I, I've said that before. Yes, that if this is the one where they pull it away before it falls off the stick. And, and it's it perfectly perfect. brown, dude. It's perfectly brown on the outside. And it's fucking cooked on the inside. And the, the s'more the, is just... The ma- mandibles? Or ma- no. no. See, that's the okay. record afterwards. Like, it's too... He's doing like a catchy rap thing and turns it into the chorus, and then it's like you're. After this, he he tried a little too hard to have a chorus. This is like there's no fucking choruses on this shit. Like there's only puffy vests, dude. It's so fucking good. Like, and I don't. I hate melodic hardcore, and like these guys use melody with like, but there's crunch. Well, well, these dudes. Well, first of all, these dudes are like musicians. Like the uh, bass player is playing like the fucking seven string bass that Daniel's been playing, fantasizing he's, about. He's not playing with his fucking. Time. He's not playing with a pick. No, and he's and he's he hiked that shit up high. Yeah, it's like, like it's on his chin. Like it's on his nipples. It's under like his chin. Real, it's right under his like chin. Like a real bass player should. Yeah, I mean, like these guys are fucking playing, dude. They are so <laughs> underrated in this time. Like, I seen them. I saw him three times, one late. Um, I see him playing every time to not that many people. And, like, they're just an amazing band. Dude, like, I, th- I think they were they, – because, obviously, and they probably hate hearing this, but everyone's just like, well, why Like, why was Limp Biscuit bigger? Like, why didn't E-Town get it? I think – and this is all props to E-Town, but I think E-Town was just like – like – to like actually like like a good band and like had, they, was was smart. They wanted to be. I mean, they obviously wanted to be famous. I mean, I think they were trying to do that from the beginning. Yeah, and that's but, why like maybe this record is a mistake. It's like it's a transition from them being too raw yeah. to like too overproduced and too like trying to be famous. Kind of. Well, one thing I will say about it is that they. They are trying to expand the genre through playing. Like, you know, there's jazz chords in there. There's, oh, there's, there's, there's lush chord arrangements. In there's there. also, yeah. This you know, guitarist is so fucking talented. Fucking awesome. And, like, you're, you're talking, and the drummer's insane. Like, if as a band, they're so good. And, and the singer, like, look, there's, there's such, like, a knock on, like, white rappers, right? I guess. Like, so people, some people think that's silly, but... Dude, this guy's style is good, and like I'm a rap aficionado as well, Daniel. You can take a, take a look over there. You can go <laughs> go through my collection. You know what I mean? Like, well, like no disrespect I'm, to I'm, anyone. I'm very this... I'm very picky about hip hop, and he's pretty fucking good. 
like both with like the way he his voice is and his lyrics are fucking good. Yeah, he crafts a story. Hey, he didn't have Nintendo, he had pretendo. What's up, dude? Oh shit, you just blew my mind apart with his science. I'm just saying, like I mean they went they go full in on song five and like do a full rap song. Like it's like it's not silly. It's like yeah. the whole record's good. The fourth I song I disagree. The fourth song the fourth song is like pure pain of like you know not having a dad and like i don't know like he gets like emotional in these lyrics like it's i don't know i fucking love this record i don't give a fuck i know you love it and i respect you and i'm glad you love it i don't don't think you i don't don't really i don't i don't don't think you ever give it an honest listen i've definitely listened to it it definitely doesn't speak to me i don't think you've ever given an honest honest listen because i think anyone that did would like come away loving this record because it's like so not <laughs> it's Thanks, so <laughs> it's so non-pretentious it's i don't know it's amazing uh, no i think it is pretentious. I, 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 how I, no, no 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 how I, could it be fucking pretentious they're dude i if i if i'm seeing them fucking playing they're they're touring and trying to like do it they're playing to fucking 30 people on the west coast still coming out like What's no, up? I, I, I only I, said that to trigger you. No, I, 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 I finally got triggered, did. dude. No, <laughs> very I, much I, I, I can build on that. Like, so different record, but I remember like hearing hearing "Time to Shine," right? And you're like, okay, you start, you know, you laugh, you're gonna laugh at it, you know, especially if you're like Mister Fucking like hardcore punk aficionado kind of thing, right? And I remember like listening to it, and I'd be like, wait, no, like the like this dude's fucking sincere. So back to your There's point. a piece here and a no. piece there, but that first one is like very like Yeah. Where is the Renaissance? Where late. That? That's late. Yeah. There's like two For late sure. ones after this. No, but like you you hear it and like then I started like actually listening like okay, dated obviously with like the the piccolo snare, so it's, it's The first record. First record's going to sound super dated with that nicey, but I start hearing it and I start like like damn, these dudes are just like dropping into just different grooves, different tempos. So like already we have like, dude, there's actually a lot more to this band. Now it's just like, I think if you're also super fucking regional band too, cause this is this for is, sure. They're a band is, that's like doing a thousand at home and, this, and, in Jersey, and doing right? 30 outside. Right? So but you can tell which 30 people are, from your scene are going to be at the E-Town show. Hey, I can dude, tell you that. Yeah. I'm telling you, it, it, it gets all road for this band. We no, love no. this fucking band. I know. No, we love this I don't band. get it. I, I don't get it. I, no. I think you should listen to this record again. I'm, I'm, I'm not vouching for any of the records. And see, both you guys came to me. Both the first, the first thing you said was like, "What well, record Mandibles? Oh, which one's the Renaissance?" Like, you guys are like looking at their. No, you're looking at their whole catalog. And I'm telling you, this is like a special record that they can never like touch again. It's just you have to look at it on its I'm own. I'm just trying to expand the conversation. <laughs> no, uh, whatever. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think how <laughs> we many, can move no, on from many, the record. No, because another crazy thing too. How many? How many M bombs does he drop on Second Coming? That's. I mean, that could be a knock. That's definitely <laughs> it could a, be a that's, knock. That's a knock. Now, it's like, look. I didn't grow up how the guy did. I don't live his life, no, so I don't. I don't know what I the was, fuck. I was just there's like, dude. There, okay, I mean. There's like, and because I've I've seen like at like I don't know I've seen that kind of dude 
or it's like a white dude that grew up that and like can say that shit because again i, I don't, I don't know, know, maybe, know what the fuck maybe like other black dudes that he's with like they they know like those is no, i don't know they like but i think that's immediately what like if you haven't heard e-town and you're like what is this and you're like oh it's a white dude so i think that's a huge part of why so many people are like uh, like, oh, dude, this this is fucking ridiculous. So does, does, I, th- I think that's what what immediately well, that, that's I, the first hurdle. That, that's that, the first E Town <laughs> hurdle. You I, okay, clear. okay. I, I I will I will concede that that's a giant hurdle. <laughs> but I mean, there there is an awakening yeah. coming from all the rappers saying the other f word at some point. Oh, no, yeah. I guess that is, that is tossed out there pretty Yo, liberally. When you went and saw Nas recently. The lyrics that say that word often was that still being said? He, I don't think he, because ether. Yeah, I, mean, I, I feel fucking, I, I feel like Nas didn't. He didn't say the n word. Like no, no, he no, was. No, I'm talking about the other f word. Yeah. I, I feel like Nas is actually like trying to be woke enough to. No, know. that's what I'm saying. Like, no, did I mean, you see him like play ether and then because he says the f word? Like, I know. A lot I know. Yeah. In that. I feel like he didn't, but I also feel like he's not even saying the N word anymore. Like, well, uh, hey, like at that ROC show in LA, like this kid put on like Big L mm-hmm. on the PA, and I hadn't heard Big L in like the longest time, <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh my fucking god!" <laughs> what he's just like, where he's just like, if Big L got AIDS, then every every cutie in the city's got it. I was like, Dude. you can still say that. You still say that? Oh, but but you can't say like if a bitch asks me for a ring, I'll put one around her eye. <laughs> no, but honestly, I feel like one of his top <laughs> lines, top lines is, "I want to give a bitch ten cents to put cheese on a whopper." That's <laughs> fucking. That's brilliant. That's a fucking brilliant line. I don't give a shit. As Beavis, I get nothing but head, <laughs> dude. We can go with Big L. I got both records. Go check. No, Big L, rest in peace. Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to a record that's not as good as that. Who's next? Okay, you did. All right. I think you have. A, you want? I don't know if you want to save mine for the for the closing out since it's kind of like right at the end of the end of this decade. So oh yeah, we should say a, that. So if you have another one you want to hit, Daniel. You got. I got one, one more. I got one more. Um, Daniel, let's do let's do Bane. Very important band. This record suffers from how much the band leaned on it, I think. Like, in in posterity. Like, people but let's do looking prop, back. Let's do but, props real stuff. or Because how this, we were talking about Madball, this is another bounce-back record. Because oh, it's yeah. after the first LP. So they do the... The they first do, LP's good, they but do, this is perfection they do this. The they band. do the CD, which is the compilation of three seven-inches. Right, so they do three seven inches, then they re-release the three seven inches. That gets looked at as like the first record, kind of in the way like the lowest of the low would be, right? Because everyone it, had that Bane CD. It's the way to have everything because some of those seven inches at the time, you know, a couple of them were pressed smaller amounts, and sure. you, you couldn't 
Sure. So everyone has some, that CD. Not everyone had them. But it, but everyone has that CD, yeah. right? Or and Bane does good off that. They put out the first record. It all comes down to this, right? And then they put out this is a second record, and it's like the one. It's it's a game changer. Like, I mean, I would I would disagree on game changer because I think they already changed the game with like the the CD of the first three seven inches. I think that that is. I think I think like Bane is as much of a game changer as Hatebreed. Um, where Hatebreed made every every band had breakdowns. This is octave core. This is as octaves. You call it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I would say about it's in so the game changing musically insert like interesting though than like all the other octave core. Of course, but it's like, but, it, like, but it's like every band that's sorry is like, oh, that part yeah, sounds true, cool, and true, so they can yeah, just like yeah. every fast part is an octave, and then like we stay heavy on the breakdown. But the, the thing about this record is, this is an example of a band going away instead of like, okay, we're practicing. We've got two new songs after this practice. We got three new songs after the next practice, and you know you're working towards getting. It. This is a band that like goes away and thinks about what an album is going to no, be. No, yeah, no. This how thing, is this going to go from one it, song to the next? It what are the topics? Fucking what are the, great. Yeah, just well, this is a McTurnan record as well. Yeah. They 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 had to have known the first album didn't hit because they were like, dude, but I, it did I, though, but it didn't. It, no, it. The, the high, no, dude. the high parts are extremely high. Yes, the low parts are forgettable beyond belief I, okay. of the first LP. Now, so like, can we start again and things like that? They are very listenable on the record, but they're made on the stage. Yeah. Whereas this record, you you listen to this, but being like, I just I remember going to the showcase before that CD was out, like re-releasing that stuff, and like feeling like. You know, me and whoever the guys that I was with from Menard were like the only people not in on, not that it was a joke, but like we're the only people not in on the joke because everyone in there was going fucking nuts for Bane and we'd never even heard of this fucking band. It's like they were, they were like seen famous before that CD because they were like a game changing band. Like people knew like the wave of the shit was coming. Yeah, but. And so, but what makes them a game changing and band, and why you maybe weren't tapped in yet, is that they're fucking giving everything on stage, you know. Absolutely, especially at this time, you know. Absolutely, they're giving everything. Bedard is the realist, like you know. I'm not afraid to talk about anything on stage, you know, like or to no. I'm saying eloquently. Sure. Sum up the feelings that we all wish we could sum up Look, in the way that I'm, he does. I'm saying that night I was converted. Yeah. It was like, what the fuck is this? This is the most insane. And I love those three seven inches. And I just think that like for a band that was like that hyped and it's like this is the fucking thing. They put out that LP and there was a lot of people that were like, No, it wasn't everything they thought it would be. That's the same I agree. I okay. When that and then when they, that first LP came out, I I was the, like I say, the highs were really high, 
and then the rest was right. Filler. So it's not like a cohesive LP. No, right? no. Like, but uh, but I'm saying it gave them. I know. It gave so we're, them a we're lot. arguing even though we're agreeing. Yeah. Because basically, what they're doing is. But they After go the away. LP, they go away, they lock themselves in a room, and they were like, we're going to write our Bane masterpiece. Yeah. And this is the Bane masterpiece. But Whether you love them or you don't love them, this record is undeniable. This this record is a masterpiece for the simple fact that they went away having been a road-hardened band of the same, pretty much the same members since they started, of being, because they're all the same members up to post post this record is when you know people start leaving the band and stuff but mm-hmm. forgive blood it's all the same dudes from worcester that they've been in a van together for the last f- five years almost all the time and then they've you know shared everything and then they can i think it's what really locks them together as a band where they can you know, like, you've seen the Fugazi documentary, and they say they, they don't write set lists, but they can kind of, like, go from one thing but with looks. I think Bane's on that level at this point, you know, and I think everything comes together perfectly. Like, after Give Blood, the title track, you know, I feel on their next records and stuff, they tried to, oh, we got to write that, like, crescendo, like amazing masterpiece but this this time it comes naturally do you know what i mean like it's just this give everything give blood like give more give everything give blood like what a call to like hardcore you know um that snakes among us song um the song that's basically about um that they toured with um saves the day and early i think that's probably the tour that, that was you tour. saw them where yeah, you were yeah. like whoa what is this same that's like my first live experience with them were you there at showcase no just the the san diego empire club show okay i wasn't there but maybe I, you no, know i was the the song's about like you know you've chosen the way to go like you're you know going on your buses and going on tour i'm still gonna be sitting in a van with my friends worrying about money for the rest of my life, you mm-hmm. know, like, God, it, he sums it up so well. And then the lyrically, the thing he does where he quotes American nightmare, or he quotes someone else. I can't remember who now off the top of my head, but he goes, as the man said, and then he delivers the line from the other song and, but incorporates it into his lyrics. It's almost like a, the way hip hop lyricists do homages and bring in a line from somebody else, like, and then well, she's a big made their own. Head, right? Oh yeah, no. yeah. I, I do it too. You just don't listen to Tom Waits. <laughs> well, yeah. Now you t- got me off my. Uh, thing then he's there. poking back to the lyrics. But, of but other- just, I'm just saying, like lyrically, he is firing on all cylinders to like that. Everybody who's listening to this is like, oh my god, I'm I'm in. You know, I'm in with you, and I mean the the cover the cover star of the record is their van. You know, it's it's the most perfect like thing to explain what this record means to them. Like they gave everything because they're seriously on the road like ten to eleven months out of the year. Yeah, and, and the way you said. 
you know, going away and then spending time. I mean, when the first time I heard this too, I was like, oh, holy, holy shit. He, there's a dramatic difference here. And no, I, you can just tell they spent just time dialing in how this thing fucking sounds just sonically, like, which I'm always going to be able to hear a lot of that stuff. Uh, like just production wise, it's fucking incredible sounding. And I don't think it's like, I don't think anything was like, uh, missed over when this was done or nothing was just like, yeah, it sounds good enough. Like, no, they fucking like, well, like on that song where it drops out and they do the, so play the violins, you know, Zach sings that part. Like he brings something a little bit different, like with the screaming, I, this record just, it is uh, maybe not revisited as much for me no. because it was a place and a time, and I probably burnt it into the ground yeah. at the time. So I don't maybe go back as much. And I wish I had gone back to listen to it before recording this so I could be a little bit more eloquent about it. But it's an important record, and the lyrics are... They are as top-notch... Hard, hardcore lyrics as you'll ever hear. One of there's a there's a moment that always it's it's like my favorite Bane moment in Ali versus Frazier because you know how the song starts off it's kind of got like the the inverted fast beat like the taka 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 like that and then it, like a taka and then it cuts to the like the riff like the the da na 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 and then it just the way that transitions. It's a, it's a split second transition. So you once again, like going what I said when they, you know, nothing was just like glossed over here. Like it was just like, this is how these parts are gonna fucking hit, you know. But they naturally though, like how you said, like you know, not like forcing anything. Well, it's the just, same the crafting of the, crafting, of the backups. Like, yeah, these things too. are just like. Well, they're just an undi- they're an undeniable band. Like yeah. again, just like terror. Like if you if you don't recognize the greatness, you're a dick. No, it, like you're you're trying too hard. If you're like, oh, I don't like Bane. Like you don't have to like them, but you gotta. They're they're one of the biggest hardcore bands on the planet for a reason, because they should be. We got to do kind of one of their last uh, U.S. tours, kind of when they were alluding that like, hey, we're we're gonna be calling it quits soon, um, and this is. Turnstile had just put out like phased out or no not phased out um nonstop feeling says Bane Turnstile to and every fucking night and I'd seen them occasionally just on like different shows but you know it's like different when you're gonna be like on like hitting it with hitting it on the road with the band I was psyched when you you were on that tour yeah and also too you know like. I didn't know how they were going to be, be as like people or how, how they would like react to our music or whatever, but just like, just never met an example of like how, like how you should conduct yourself as a, as a band on tour. Uh, just like how they would talk to people like, you know, not in this, like, Oh, I'm putting on an act cause I want to look like I'm a, like, you know, we're the older band that we look like we want to take care of each other. It's like, no, it was generally like, like talking to you, like generally stoked that you're like with them, like they're they're invested. 
not invested in you, but like you, you feel it, and you I could just they're solid hardcore yeah, dudes. Yeah, exactly. They're tried and true solid yeah. hardcore guys. Yeah, there's no like you just yeah. know it immediately when you start talking to talking to them. So well, and then so, dudes, I mean, you can't like you said, dude. Every goddamn night, just and it poured out there just, like that. Yeah, it just it just sounding so fucking dialed in on it, crazy. Well, crazy. You, what you're saying is, you know. Bane took you on tour. What what year was that? Like this was like three years ago, right? Yeah. I mean, they took us on our first tours, and they were the same. Exactly the yeah. same. Like, Bedard would be like psyched. He'd be like psyched on me. Like, yeah, man. He'd be like, "You're fucking so psyched on Straight Edge, aren't you?" Like, and he it would be making him happy. He's like, "Oh, I just fucking love to see that," and I'm like. Yeah, I am, <laughs> you know? And I was just experiencing all this touring the East Coast for the first time and everything. And then um, to catch up with him yeah. at that show, uh, no. you were playing with him, and it's still the same vibe. No, where where they play that you saw? Parkside, right? Parkside, yeah. Because yeah. it's the first time I ever saw a turnstile. Is that yeah. in the city? Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why they fucking touched so, <laughs> the, so the many The fucking people, club man. was playing Bane on the house sound before Bane. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Jesus. <laughs> was, no, they shouldn't play hardcore in between no, hardcore bands. Ever, never, 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 never. Or metal. No, nothing abrasive. Yeah. I think you Should get away star, with certain always. type. You, you get away with more like classic, classic rock sound and shit, I think is always cool. Come on, you do construction. Do you ever want to hear classic rock? No, actually, at my company, I'm not allowed to listen to music. Oh. So, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, cool. I think being got well represented. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, Aaron Bedard is doing a new band. Antagonize, and, and right? Antagonize. And another dude, guitarist, is doing a new band too. Yeah, with uh, Brian McTurnan from Battery singing. E. Interesting. Yeah, but Bedard just showing. I mean, this dude is on the cover of Break Down the Walls. Yep. <laughs> He's in the crowd <laughs> on the cover of Break Down the Walls. He's doing a new band and has come from doing, you know, in our time, a legendary hardcore band and is happy to open at Sound and Fury. And, you know, no, like, yo, we should be for, you know, no. he is hardcore. You know, personified tried and true you know so Bane Give Blood very important 2000 era hardcore record for me for sure no you, you, can't, you can't deny that yeah and I'm glad they made the list because like if we didn't have Bane on that'd be a bummer yeah they didn't make the 7 inch list because it was too hard to decide which 7 inch well because <laughs> if we could have formed a 7 inch from all the best songs it would be undoubtedly like top 10 of all time really. well it would have been your favorite seven inch ever because the two best bane songs of the seven inches are both straight edge songs straight edge bangers yeah count me out and superhero so i will go with my last choice is faded gray a quiet time of desperation 2001 Awesome record, very of very good to follow. Give blood because 
cut from the same cloth in a in a way. Yes, uh, that they take the lyrics very ser- very seriously. They're like mm. they're talking about expressive like expressive and emotional. Expre- yeah, but without being uh, what word to use. Without being there, without being pretentious. You over the head of it. Yeah, yeah, without being pretentious. I've never um, heard this. Uh, well, I, I think I told you like a month in advance, right? Yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, listen, there you go. Um, he's not allowed been, to listen to music at work. That's true. I that hurts. Been busy at all, so. Yeah, I know. He's been very busy. Um, I will say with this Faded Gray record, I fell in love with and I still ride for side B. It's like side B of this record and on. And I think maybe the last song on side A, but that's like where it gets great. The first like four songs or whatever, it's like still nice hardcore. But they're like, for as much as I say I hate melodic hardcore, this is melodic hardcore. And it's like, it's kind of everything about hardcore that I don't like. I think the tra- more and more I think about it, because like Lance has a very normal, shouty voice. It's not like a big risk taking voice. It's, but- it's shouty, but each line ends with a almost sing. Yes, element. yes, yes, yes. Like he goes, but, 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 yes, and that's fucking, you're right, dude. Yeah. That's what makes it so good. You nailed it. But, uh, the songs, The Great Divide, The Emo Solution, and the title track, A Quiet Time for Desperation, they're in the middle. I feel of Quiet the Time and Desperation is the first song on the second side, yeah. right? And then the, and then it takes off from there. And wow. it's like, but I like the last two songs on side A, like which, which, The Great Divide and oh, The yeah. Emo Solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used this, so that's the song right before. That's the last song on the first side. We used to stand on the same side. No, we They do all the shit I hate. They do all the artificial harmonics. They do like all the octavy stuff on the the verses. But for some reason, they're just like the one band that I love that does it. They're like they're the. I don't know. They do everything perfect. It's like the. It's everything I don't like, but they do it and I like it. They're that great. I don't know. It's it's a weird record to describe. And then lyrically, just it feels so honest and I don't know. The lyrics are intelligent. The, the lyrics, it's just, yeah, it's, it's one step above being just like personal lyrics. I feel like personal lyrics is like, that's what you use as like, a, oh, yeah, those guys, that, that band, a bunch of nice guys. Well, the, the oh, thing, that guy has personal lyrics. Like, oh, his lyrics suck. Well, the thing about this era of, like, early 2000s, a lot of the hardcore bands were writing songs about hardcore. Like, mm-hmm. the scene, because they'd gone, you know, this is 2000, 2001. We'd all gone through the 90s where things splintered crazily. Lots of people left, you know, lots of people oh, I don't want that kind of hardcore being played here or this or that, you know, all of these things. And there's almost like an element of someone who goes through all the shows like Lance does or did, you know, or does still, um, is like sit back and, and comment on what he's seen. Like, you know, like you said, you were just commenting on those lyrics, you know, like we used to stand on the same side, but now, you know. Now this great divide. But there's the element of, like, that's what is actually kind of interesting about, like, 2000-era hardcore on Give Blood, on many records, on In Control records, is, like, 
we're commenting on the things we see in our own scene instead of more like what Greg was referencing earlier about, you know, I want it to be outward against like more like overarching, like uh, oppressive structures and whatnot. And this is more like, but he's not writing, he's not writing poetry. Like, no, 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 this is still like straightforward lyrics, straightforward lyrics, but they're, but they're varied on topic. Like some, that's why yeah. like that's why this band is so good like it's just it's just I don't know it's everything a band should be in a little bit more yeah well I don't know he used to do a zine in the 90s called help mm-hmm. really cool zine so when I heard that that do you know and also part of the indecision family type stuff but so you're already interested in an indecision record as it's getting put together but when I you know, before I met Lance, I knew that it was the guy who did the zine, and he always was intelligent and expressive. And he did a band before this as well. Yes, but I don't think he sang. Did he? He did. Yeah, but this is what I was like. You know, I'd heard, oh, this band's cool. Like Mandel told me all about it, and when I heard it, I was like, yeah, sign me up. This is fucking great. And yeah. you know, kind of. It was referenced as to me as being like dag nasty ish, and it's I, just because there's a little bit of melody, but it's yeah, not because exactly. there's no scene. I, but to me, like it doesn't really sound like dag nasty. It doesn't it sound sounds anything like, like dag nasty. That's like that's another cop out. Oh, yeah. if it's fast and there's a little melody, it's dag nasty. Yeah, because he's got it. He ends singy singy ish lines. You know, it's like the same way that somebody can be a fan of something and. The influence is there, but it doesn't sound like it at all. You yeah. Know? So when I heard it sounded like Dagnasty, I was pleasantly surprised that it sounded way different and was way more its own thing. Yeah. So I would say for people, get this record or listen to it on Spotify or whatever. Start with the song Quiet Time of Desperation and listen to the record all the way out. It's one of my favorite pieces of music of any genre. Ever. I can't describe how much I love it. It was like this album, and there was like the Dillinger 4 record of like all the seven inches they put together. And these were like my two albums I used to listen to all the time when uh, it was like either the first or the second Tony Hawk came out on PlayStation. And I would just listen to them over and over and over. So this side B is like ridiculous. I thought you were going to say while you were doing drives on tour, like these would be the go to, like. I'm gonna rock this, but you said that no, was we Slayer. Just, no, we just listened to Blitz all tour. <laughs> That's good. And Blitz and Swinging Utters were like the two mains. The second Swinging Utters album. Actually, the the second and the third, the red one also, because we used to love that song. The I know that sometime my time will come, crash and burn. I like, like the, everyone that wind wind spitting punk off the second one. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the second one is just a. It's a pretty near perfect record. Yeah. I know your I know your history with them. You love them. Daniel was an early adopter of Swing Others, very early. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that Fader Gray LP is the shit. Sounds best on gray vinyl. Um. Might still be able to get the CD at IndecisionRecords.com. Um. So do it. Handle business. Final one is Greg. So, and it's a good. 
one to actually close out the O's decade, and that would be Trapped Under Ice, Secrets of the World. That's 2009 on Reaper Records. Our Shout late- out Patrick Hitzel. Absolutely. It's our latest one other than the second Retaliate record. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because Terror, Always the Hard Way, 06. Yeah, uh, it, and it's definitely, it's on the very last year that, oh, that nine. We're, we're talking about here. So this is a band absolutely following up with an LP coming off the hype of just like a 7-inch that drops and is immediately yeah, a huge ripple effect right from the right from the jump because they how can I say so it's like this is a band from Baltimore so they're taking you know heavy Baltimore sounding shit stout next step up gut instinct and then definitely brings in you know and this is Brings in that crown of thorns era, like the way like Isaac could do really like like emotional type lyrics done over really aggressive like violent sounding hardcore. So almost it's funny. It's like how you know you go back to Wes for American Nightmare with kind of those like looking inward. It's kind of like dark state mental mental. Uh, vibes like this is like the I feel like Crown of Thorns was able to like Isaac had a lot of lyrics that dealt with those those types of themes and well he was just a bustling talent yeah that would have like succeeded in any genre in that in those years and just was in Crown yeah. of Thorns yeah but it it just wasn't one of those like typical quote uh, heavily quote this tough guy Not sounding stuff Not so at all. and that's why i think trapping and rice is kind of important because when when terror hits it's like it's hard you know and then no warning it's it's just like all about moshing so you know heavy hardcore is just like all about moshing hard like strength like everything not a lot of uh you know, looking looking in words or, or or kind of talking about some of the some of these things. But musically, could we say that this is the best the band that nails the bounce? Absolutely. Only second best to like if Madball's the fucking band that nailed the bounce. Yeah. This is the band that comes the closest. No warning is is no. Th- they're coming after the no warning. Yeah, thing, so. but, but but this band's better than no warning. No, but th- but this is different. This is different than no warnings take. On on bouncy shit because this is this is more the bust of the whole song. Yeah, th- this and is, he has real he has real legit flow. Yeah, he's got well, legit. They, they reference themselves like at mosh parts and stuff like they call out that came that came you know. that's on a big kiss good night, but a little a little later than this. But well, they have that that it's you get more of that Baltimore style. Bounce, which Baltimore is is the huge the, is the influence for this band. So I remember they hit uh, the West Coast for the first time. It was probably two thousand seven with Trash Talk, and and 
at that time, like that kind of ceremony trash talk, like trash talk wasn't like doing the rap stuff yet. And like ceremony wasn't joy division yet. And they had, um, they had like, they were both playing like their versions of kind of like more moshy power violence kind of sounding mm-hmm. shit. Uh, and so trash trapped under ice is, is with trash talk. And I'd never, I'd never seen them. And like, you could just immediately tell that you were watching something that was like kind of like very regional, but nothing wasn't being done anywhere at the time. Cause like I said, like heavier, moshier, hardcore was like every band was still trying to sound like no warning unless you were, you know, retaliate, which we've discussed earlier, which is, is the best. Um, <laughs> And it was still like, you know, terror, terror type hard or more like metal influence stuff. So this is like heavier, bouncier shit. And immediately it's cat catching on with like a lot of kids. Well, you've, you've totally just completely explained it perfectly for me because Baltimore hip hop around that time is bounce. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, its own thing, very different. Yeah. Like, Booty Basement was playing it, and, you know, Dimitri and Rob were playing, like, Baltimore stuff because it was so dance floor operating, you know? And then for them to be so influenced by that and bringing it to hardcore and developing that, it's, yeah, that's... Yeah, and when... And when another, a light has gone on, you know? Another thing, too, it's like, when, when I first saw them, it's just like, oh, no, these are, like, real, like, like, Baltimore dudes, you know? Like, this, this is, like... I'm not watching someone like cosplaying as like some, you know, New York hardcore like tough dude wigger guy. Like it's none yeah. of that. Like it's you know, yeah. This is just them being being them. No gimmicks. No gimmicks. So I think it was just like the perfect time. And then that seven inch stay cold. It's just you know, fucking perfect. And it definitely it looks so cool. Too. Looks so cool. Reaper absolutely crushed it, and they were just such a, a different take on that, like kind of hard. This LP looks really cool too. True, yeah, and I think especially I wanna, with the want to say maybe the title of the yeah. album looked in a you know much when you look at you hear the title of the album Secrets of the World mm-hmm. right, and then you see this old nautical style yeah. map and yeah, you're like, it, it reminds what, me of what like, is out there I it reminds say, me of like one of those pestilence records like the third pestilence yeah well, i want to say busky did the design work super on this, cool maybe but um so shout out to busky again <laughs> so yeah so this record comes out and once so it they already are just being built up from the seven inch, and then they they reaper drops this one, and then it just and it delivers on the LP like absolutely be same same scenario as no warning mm-hmm. right like the seven inches of shit everyone's super fired up and the LP comes out and fucking delivers yeah and this one I want to say they might have had someone in the studio from Biohazard it might have been not Billy Bio it's uh what's the fucking dude that spins around constantly in a circle. He plays guitar, whatever. Um, but in, in Biohazard, yeah, it and, is Billy Bio. And no, it's not. It's not Billy Bio. It's, it's the other. It's the other guitar. Unless the, the, Harry oh, the Hazard, banner, the banner, <laughs> the Billy Bio banner. And I think they if also. It's not Billy Bio. It's got to be Harry Hazard. They might have done this with with Dijon, like Dijon. Yeah, which is another influence. Like back to huge, Crown, right? If you're huge. going back to Crown of Thorns, yeah. I mean, Dijon's influence 
on the plane, and I know Sam was definitely picking up on those. I don't know. I I I hear it more vocally and style wise more than I hear it like musically. Well, no, I, it, I still hear a lot of like heavy Baltimore bounce. Yeah, but there's a there's a lot of it musically also just yeah, because yeah. because even when they're doing the bounce stuff, they're not. They're pat- not. Chords, they passes, they fuck yeah. they fuck with like a little bit of the melody on it where like Madball when they do the bounce it's all hard yeah right no you get they, more they fuck with like yeah they'll do they'll knock a chord and the pedal or like the ring they outs do and, pet, some like pedally type stuff too yeah right? actually they on, definitely have a pedal we'll use the wah for this but no no other kind of pedal pedal stuff it was just straight straight guitar just kind of maybe hitting chords a tuner more. a tuner perhaps okay perhaps but. <laughs> Yeah, and noise then, gate. Oh, definitely the the standard See? standard. Setup. We're, we're oh, up to okay, three okay, pedals. Pedal, yeah. No, no. When this and then when this came a bicycle? out, bicycle. <laughs> when when this dropped, th- then they were like, dude, they were like the fucking band at that point. Like they were, they, the they were just you, and it was just crushing. And then for it was just one of those bands, and for how heavy they were, like. Everybody got down to them, which which is for for being that t- for be, like having just such like ass beater parts for a band, but then being able to like connect emotionally for you know any yeah. type of kid that might be in the audience, yeah. like they just had it, like they just for it just clicked with like everybody across the board. So and it definitely set up, definitely set up Reaper. In that era too, so then like Reaper started put doing a lot of shit, and you I had enough think, money to put out the SoCal Slam seven inch. That, that is right, dude. Poor, sorry, Kitzel. Um, so yeah, and I feel like they brought definite bounce back to. They definitely brought the bounce because I remember seeing after that run they did with like Trash Talk. I remember like kind of going to LA like hardcore shows and like now I'm starting to hear more bands do like not like Mad Ball style but, but well it just brought that like bouncy style shit really heavy so it wasn't more like hey we're gonna rip off No Warning now it's like oh we're gonna rip off like Crown of Thorns or like oh now everyone's like into this kind of shit everyone's into like digging through all these like. Baltimore sounding shit, more '90s New York hardcore sounding shit. Yeah. So it, was, it definitely brought that and started influencing like a lot of bands. And then, I mean, what do you get out of the end of TUI? You get fucking Turnstile, which is arguably probably the biggest hardcore band in the, uh, I'd say, the tens maybe. At the end, they kind of just became that band after TUI stopped. So uh, definitely. Set, sets sets the tens up as far as uh I said I get it sets the bar for definitely heavy heavier sounding hardcore and not more not on not on like uh like it, it made it more accessible like it made it kind of like okay to play like heavy shit I think or start I think tuning your guitar it... lower and playing more moshier stuff. Because it was that was still really just like associated with like more beat down sounding stuff and and just more like more what people would quote tough guy sounding music. So it definitely opened the door for like 
more people to to get be involved in that kind of style. Well, around this time period, I think it's okay to try different things oh, yeah. through the filter of hard music. Do you know what I mean? Like lots of bands are, are taking the thing and and doing their own spin on it. Is this around the time where that that like video of him like throwing someone or is this around that time? Yeah, that's, I think that like well, because they went over to Europe, yeah. and um, some dude did that like horse collar type move and grabbed him and fuck it, like dude, it was like ridiculously high stage. Mm. So uh, Jurdis like fell, like like fucking bashed his head on the ground and like Jesus. Well, then he got up and he was like all dazed, and people were just like pushing him, so he just like socked. Because he thought like people were like fighting him, and then I don't think yeah, and I don't think like like I just don't think like like any Euro hardcore dudes just thought like some dude was gonna be like, what the fuck? No, I'm like no, I'm not down with that. I'm gonna punch you in the fucking face because that's just on some some Baltimore style like yeah. well not even Baltimore style. It's just like he got fucking thrown off the stage or grabbed by some dude, smacked his head on the fucking ground, gets up. There's a bunch of people like pushing him so. I don't know. He just—he's probably got—he got a gnarly punch, so he just hit some dude, and then the internet took over, and we I even never cried hear about it. It—it definitely—they definitely, I think, took a hit, which was weird. But I think, in a way, it also gave them like they were on, you know, you know in that old adage of, you know, no press is bad press, or whatever. Yeah, no, you know, I, or, they got kind of like. Like on the internet, a lot of people like, like, "Oh, that's tough guy shit." Yeah, that, you, know? you know, so that might have been like a little dip, little dip for them, but you know, all right. Well, I, I just remember it being around the time, but also like while listening to this, being like, you know, in I suppose indifferent, <laughs> like just like it's good, dude. It's not not indif- not indifferent about the record, indifferent about the controversy. Oh, you guys talking to him? Yeah, we just do that like, shit. Yeah, like I just thought, and then that's like another funny thing too, because it's like, why are you guys so upset that he punched somebody? It's like most of the shit that's going on at these shows is just people getting like laid out left and right, yeah. moshing. Like, so you're mad that the singer like socked somebody, which is like another funny thing about this genre too, is the amount of people not paying attention to these like lyrics, like, like, Oh, Hey, I don't think bulldoze are nice, nice guys. Like, like, have you been reading to like, what, <laughs> like what the fuck they're saying? Like, did you yeah. go to their show? Like, like there's no cosplay shit here going on. So that's what it's funny. Like this opened the door for like a lot of people to be like, Oh, let's play heavy shit. Like it's cool to, like take these like really hard aggressive like baltimore hardcore sounds and like made it really accessible and then opened it up for like a lot of people to be like yeah i want to play heavy shit and then but that comes with like you know a lot of anger a lot of violence and you know people not realizing like that yeah you might be getting certain types of people that you know are gnarly and just want to you know, definitely hurt hurt others. So. There's always someone bigger than you. Better watch out. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's yeah, wrap but, it up. Let's well, wrap this, dude. Let's. let's actually, we're just talking about that though. Like the thing that happens around not this time, maybe a little, a couple years after this, is something that I know. So that it's okay to 
it became okay to be a dick at a hardcore no, show. No, the the emphasis on right around this time period too, the emphasis on the mosh just and the like crowd killing, fucking goes, all of that shit goes crazy. That. It's not even about like, and then it just kind of exclusively like you had to be the youth crew band to still get like the sing along stuff, but everything else it just became like horseshoes and just you know. Well, we crate. should we should let's talk about that. Yeah, if we'll do the the tens. We don't have to do the records, but we should. Let's just have a talk about hardcore, man. What happened? Yeah, where where it went, and what it meant to yeah. us. But uh, no, what I, I want to wrap on that. I think that was a great one because you really set it up nicely. And uh, their next record is 2011, so it doesn't qualify for this. But do you guys like the first one or the second one better? I like I like Big Kiss Goodnight better because. That's when I think they really they branched out creatively, still were able to make it still were like they didn't lose their identity or they didn't lose their roots. They're still they, in the pocket. They're still in it's the pocket. It's just more catchy. It's way more catchy. But that's also because you had uh, Chad Gilbert from Newfound Glory producing it too. So he was able to like take that like real heaviness and like aggression, but provide that because you he just kind of brought out more of that melody that was still kind of a little buried deep in there on secrets yeah daniel, you, had to, you had to be a real like nerd to kind of hear where they were going with or what they were doing daniel first record second record i like the first seven inch the best you would okay i got a present for both of you guys Come on. oh thanks <laughs> oh yeah it is a. I'm gonna say that for someone else. <laughs> Damn, you you doing some Nardwar shit now? Where he's like always doing. <laughs> you know that one Why chicken spot you, you used to <laughs> that you went to when you were seven years old. <laughs> oh, someone's gonna give me something. Let me be a dick. <laughs> okay, first off, you guys will both appreciate that. I found that when I was going through a bunch of shit. I'm trying to get rid of. Yo, <coughs> yes, that's a full size, full size true blue poster. True, that is sick. True yeah. blue poster. So take back all the fucking bullshit you were talking. And then also, uh, I got an LP, the Time and Pressure LP from Bert's label for both of you. Excellent, fucking Shout awesome. Out straight safe ed- inside, straight edge hardcore, safe is this, inside is records. This the man from St. Louis. Yes, uh, it is. Yeah. yeah, and then I don't know. If you guys would like this one, you guys can have it. Otherwise, save it for someone else. But uh, that's an original Insight poster, which I think is Victory Records number one. I don't know. know. I've never heard of Insight. So. <laughs> but I love that they're wearing matching Youth of Today t-shirts. That guy's face In case is you fucking... didn't get, get the idea <laughs> yet. <laughs> this guy's wearing a Shades Apart shirt. I didn't realize Shades Apart was so early. Anyway, uh, shout out to Save Inside Records. Bert the last, Aaron the, Cooley. Aaron Cooley. Um, yeah, how how buff was Don when you got that record? Right now, I'm just playing. Um, not at all. <laughs> all right. Uh, until next time. Anything else you want to say? That's what you want to say. I, I'm, I'm try- what is the long I, one? Okay. What is the long one that you can't Dude, stop? I, I, haven't, I haven't hit any of these buttons, just so people know, and I'm going to delete them all. No. Because I don't want to be a pod where it's like you keep hitting the fucking no. button. 
to the listener who has hung in so far to listen to this, there is a soundboard, and these are the buttons. Like, this is me yelling, apparently. Ah! And then this is the Rick to Life button that we keep pressing, and they will all stay in. Well, the better Berkey. That's the good one. <laughs> That's a good one. What is that one? It's this one? Yeah. It's just the outro. But I'd, I'd rather just... Let's... Oh, you want to right. actually outro it and talk through it? All right. We will see you later. Please listen to uh, all episodes of 185 Miles South and join up for the Patreon. And, uh, you know, even if it's just a one-time donation. <laughs> also consider listening to 400 Miles North, Daniel's new podcast, all Fugazi, all hours of the day. Embrace everyone else. Any band you never wanted to stage dive to. Mm. Oh, I kind of want the slower one, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I only got so many buttons, man. But anyway, wrap up the show. Thanks for listening, guys. Smash that Patreon, though. <laughs>